The Sens Nation podcast is brought to you by Jim K. Ford, your Ottawa certified pre-owned Ford dealer. They take all the worry out of buying a pre-owned vehicle. How about a 12-month, 20,000-kilometer limited warranty coverage, vehicle history report, financing rates from 1.99%, 172-point vehicle inspection, and 24-hour roadside assistance. Now that is peace of mind. See them today at jimkford.com, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with Steve Warren and the coach, Greg Kennedy. Give them credit, you know, they made, uh, they defended well down the stretch. I thought we had a lot of chances. I thought we had the puck a ton in the third period. You know, other nights that's going to go in for us and it just didn't tonight. So there's DJ Smith after... A 2-1 loss to the San Jose Sharks sends record drops to 2-2. Two two. Welcome to the Sens Nation podcast brought to you by Jim K. Ford. Coming up today, Brady Kachuk makes his debut. So does Matt Murray. An absolutely huge Senator injury. We're not sure exactly what the status is at this point. It is Shane Pinto with a shoulder. We'll talk about that. Got Eric Carlson out there dropping an S-bomb in an interview with TSN and much more coming up today here on the Sens Nation podcast. Thanks for being with us. We hope you enjoy the show. And let's get into it. Say hello to the coach, Greg Kennedy. How are things, Greg? Things are good, Steve. We were were sharing before we came on air. Practice was canceled today. When you live in a small town, you don't exactly have a large crew of people who can drive the Zamboni. And apparently the the only two guys that could were both sick today. Oh, no. So too much. You didn't have any practice at all. (laughs) No practice. I sent the boys out for a scavenger hunt, a little team building exercise before we got we got two games this weekend and we got to get off the schneid here. We're, We're we've lost like four in a row or something like that. It's not good. Oh, dear. Yes, yeah, you probably could have used a practice today. That's too bad. Oh, that sucks. <laughs> well, you know, we 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 did we had good good hard practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So, uh, yeah, we, you know, we would have liked to have had one, but that's okay. We'll 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 survive. Good stuff. All right, we should get into the Sens Nation podcast, brought to you by Jim K. Ford, and talk about all the things that have happened since we last got together for an episode. The big thing: the Sens falling two one to the San Jose Sharks. Before we get to the scoring summary. Let's talk a little bit about what you thought of the game. Uh, I was I was disappointed. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, okay, it's uh, it's a home game. It's the San Jose Sharks. This is two points you need to put in the bank. I mean, early in the year especially, right? Let's get the wins while you can, and it's a team that you should be beating. I just thought they're – I don't know. They had chances to score, but even saying that – I thought there was a lack of a sense of urgency. There just didn't seem to be a lot of urgency or intensity there around the net to bury some chances. And I, I thought they, they certainly could have and should have played better. What, what did you think? My feeling was that was a concerted effort by the Sharks to come out knowing this is a primarily skilled young team with not a lot of physical edge at this stage. And I feel like it was a concerted effort to come out and run them out of the rink you know there's a lot of stick work there was a lot of physicality we saw the you know Ferraro whoever Mario Ferraro is he certainly got in the Sens radar tonight taking out both Shane Pinto with a big hit along the boards and then later uh, Zach Sanford so he was he accounted for that kind of physicality and I saw it all over the ice there was stick work all over the ice and I think that the Sharks were well they were game planning for this particular team knowing that they're young they're skilled but not a lot of pushback on the physical side. 
Yeah, I mean, you you've got a shark team that's that's not believe it or not less skilled than the Ottawa Senators. Like there's not many teams in the league that you could say that about, but right. definitely uh Senators have more skill. Uh Sharks come in and play a textbook road game, right? They kitty bar the door, they gave up probably a few more chances than they would have liked, but uh but held the fort, got the two goals they needed, got the lead when they needed it there in the second period and just kind of nursed it on home from there. Um just I don't know if I was in the house, I don't know that I would have gone home saying I was thoroughly entertained. Right. Um, you know, like, like just, it just, I, I, there was something missing and it was like, like I said, intensity or uh, a sense of urgency, a sense of, you know, like, let's go boys, let's get this thing going because it just didn't seem to be there tonight. Yeah. Here's your scoring summary. Sends open the scoring at 10 06 of the first bad pinch by Eric Carlson in the neutral zone. Brady Kachuk chips it past him. Sets up Batherson and Norris on a two-on-one, and TSN's Gord Miller with a call. Back towards the goal, picked up by Zoom. Carlson averaging under 20 minutes a game so far through two games for San Jose. And his minutes last year, among the lowest he's had in his career. Batherson in, shoot, scores! Drake Batherson with his first of the year, and Ottawa's got a one nothing lead. The Sharks then tied it. But it was ruled offside uh, after an offside challenge. Andrew Cogliano considerably offside. I still don't like the offside challenge. If you want to hear why, you can hear about me ranting in that <laughs> in the last episode. <laughs> so it's still one nothing Ottawa after one. Uh, in the first, Shane Pinto, as mentioned, got absolutely pasted into the boards. We'll talk a lot more about that later in the show. But he had to leave the game, came back for a shift, and it ended badly. He's out there nursing the bad arm, bad shoulder. Timo Meyer comes along. Big two-hander across his right wrist. And so that left Pinto, I think, looked like he was asking Brown to go down and take his spot down low in the D zone. Brown didn't get the memo, and Logan Couture ended up being all alone in front to cash in a rebound. TSN's Gord Miller once again. Meyer throws that back of the point for Burns. Rebound score! Logan Couture with a backhand shot, and the game is tied at one. And finally, at the 14.30 mark of the second, what turns out to be the game winner, Nick Paul gets a stick up on Eric Carlson and takes a penalty for that. Kevin LeBanc scores your winner on the ensuing power play on a shot from the high circle. William Eklund. Back to Carlson. Carlson across to LeBanc. To Carlson. Back to LeBanc. Tees it up and shoots. Scores! And LeBanc gets one that counts after having one taken away earlier. A power play goal. To give San Jose a 2-1 lead. And again, there's TSN's Gord Miller with the call. Sharks win it 2-1. And uh, lots to get into there. And I think probably we could talk about the debut of Kachuk and Murray. We will. But I think the Pinto injury is probably what most people are going to talk about. He got tied up with Mario Ferraro going into the corner and just got... It looked like Ferraro caught him on the inside left shoulder sending them wildly careening into the boards hard on the right shoulder. And that did not look good. Did it? No. Uh, immediately upon seeing it, it's like, uh Oh, that's not good. That's a dislocation or a separation. The boys on TSN were speculating and comparing notes as to injuries. They both suffered both uh, Mark Mathot and Mike Johnson there about how long you recuperate from this or that, or even, even Duffy got in on it with his, his shoulder injuries, but just <laughs> uh, it was, he just, he was beyond the foot and a half from the wall. 
I think that was probably the biggest problem. If he's a little closer to the boards, it's probably nowhere near as severe. If he's further away from the boards, it's definitely nowhere near as severe. And as you said, slightly off balance. I think he kind of lifted his right foot at the same time that that Ferraro came in and and uh, and got him in the middle of the chest, really, and just off balance, completely off your feet, and wang, wham into the wall, yeah. shoulder first. That um, yeah, I. It, I don't. I don't want to speculate, but either way, it's it's uh, it's a couple weeks minimum. I would think he's out. Yeah, I would think so as well. Um, clean, accidental, yeah. or dirty? No, that's a clean hit. That's a clean play. That's that's two guys fighting for ice, uh, approaching a puck. I mean, Pinto did have the puck, right? He tried to get to the outside, made a little stutter step move, and and that's what kind of maybe got him a little off balance. And it was just freak accidental exact right time and exact right body position uh both pinto's body position and ferraro's position that that allowed it to to escalate to what it what it ended up being i thought you you didn't think it was dirty in any way did you not at all no i looked at it a number of times and i think it was just a matter of expectation i think shane pinto was thinking that because they're almost shoulder to shoulder that really no serious collision can occur and probably if he's going to get him it'll be smoking him at the end boards but at that moment it was basically Ferraro kind of got out in front of his inside shoulder and gave him a jolt that I think he didn't expect. And that's yeah. what caught it. That, that's what really knocked him off stride and flying into the boards. Nothing illegal about it. Just, I think one player expecting something that didn't happen. That's all. Yeah. Right. That's, that's, you, you want to finish. We tell players down up and through with the shoulder and you, if you get the shoulder right in the middle of the chest, as you're coming up with the force from your legs, you're going to knock the guy right off his feet. And, and you know, uh, San Jose would be thrilled with the play that uh, Ferraro made. That's exactly what they want from a young kid like that. I would say there would be a lot of people that are wondering about Pinto's return to the game. I think initially people were going, oh my God, Pinto's back. He came back in the second period and played one shift. And as I outlined, it didn't go very well. He left immediately uh, down the hall again and uh, did not come back after that one. What do you think of him coming back like that? Uh, I was surprised by it when I saw, you could tell even before the goal and the slash by Meyer, you could tell he was laboring out there, couldn't you? Yeah, it was strange. I was um, just like you said, oh, hey, he's back. You know, great. Glad to see it. it's not that bad. Yeah. But then he took a swing at a puck there in the air and he, he, he missed it or only caught a piece of it. And he started to grimace from that. I don't yeah. know that it was it was the the hit from Meyer or the, the glancing blow from Meyer. I think it was as he swung at the puck in the air that looked like your shoulder popped out again, or, you know, like there was that, you know, that, that, uh, that stinger up his shoulder right away. And he was done right then and there. So, so so the question is uh, whose decision was it that he's back in the game? Yeah. I'm I'm thinking a guy with uh, 13 games, NHL experience, or it was 15, I guess he played 12 last year. So 15 games, NHL experience. You got to believe that there's not a, strong enough rapport relationship with the training staff that that the player could say oh no I'm okay and the trainer would fall for that or the equipment guy or the sorry the the athletic therapist would fall for that so somebody must have made a diagnosis that said yeah he's 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 good to go and that struck me as strange if he if in fact he wasn't good to go and it sure looked like he wasn't yeah I don't think there's any ill intent there but yeah I think no. that that was probably one you'd like to have a do over on and uh you know you rely to some degree on the patient, right? And uh, and maybe he was able to lift his arm in a good way. And yeah, I'm feeling fine. I mean, you, you know Shane Pinto. 
he went into training camp. DJ Smith told the world that there's nothing guaranteed, and he won himself a spot, and he was excited to be in the NHL, and that's the last thing the kid wanted, just like Colin White before him. Just at the start of a season, Colin White, he had to prove that he belongs in the NHL. He had that opportunity, and he got the shoulder injury. And now the same thing happens to Shane Pinto. We don't know how long he's going to be out, and I guess the question is now with White and Pinto both injured, like now what down the middle after Josh Norris? Tierney's been yeah. decent, but, I mean, that can't be your second-line center. Yeah, and, and Tierney, uh, with all due respect, I don't think he's going to maintain the pace that he started with. I mean, he, no. he didn't last year, and, and, and he didn't maintain the pace in this game tonight. So, um, But that's the perils. So you, you started a season with uh, less than 75 games experience at center ice on your top two lines. Right. Between those two guys who were less than 75 games experience. So you you knew you needed a center. God, even Eugene told us that they needed a center months ago, or sorry, told Bob McCowan months ago that they needed a centerman. It didn't happen. Um, supposedly Pierre's been on the phone looking, talking, whatever, for the last little while. It it brings up all those names again. Is it Strom? One of the Stroms? Is it uh is it an Adam Henrique? Um, I, I've always liked to mention to you, Kevin LeBanc at one time, uh, I, I, like who's out there that you're going to get now and not pay a premium for, because everybody knows you're in a bad spot. I still want to stay the course. I still believe that, uh, I mean, if everyone was healthy, they, they'd have a shot at the playoffs. I've already predicted that they will make the playoffs. If Pinto's out long-term, I may have to revise things, but I'm sticking with it for now. <laughs> but in the meantime, yeah, I, I don't think that they're so close that you start giving away some of your future assets, draft picks, young prospects to bring in that band-aid centerman. Is there someone though in the organization? You know, if you're ever going to try Tim Stutzla at center, oh um, boy, it would be probably about now. Uh, Nick Paul, he's a he's, he played center in junior. Uh, Mark Castellix down in the minors. It's not ideal, but I think I'd probably go fill it up internally rather than go out and get a Dylan Strom because everybody we're talking about internally. Yeah. They got warts for very different reasons. Um, Dylan Strom as an example, and everybody you mentioned, they, they too have warts. If there was somebody really great that they could bring in and get them for cheap, a Kyle Turris scenario where you had to give up almost nothing, then great, bring it on. But I just don't see anybody effective Logan coming in. Brown. Yeah, there you go. You brought him up first. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> There's like a centerman. Yeah. yeah. He is a centerman. Place to play. <laughs> well, I mean, he's probably he's probably kicking himself right now because surely he would be getting an opportunity at this juncture in time. No matter what happened at training camp, no what they they would have to, even if even if he went in and just, you know, spit in DJ Smith's face. I know that didn't happen. But even if something like that happened in training camp uh, and he demanded a trade or something, they'd almost have to go to him now, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. If he were still here, he'd certainly be playing second line center uh, Saturday night, wouldn't he? Poor I guy. Yeah. But, but sorry, I, I you you listed off a bunch of guys there. And I'm sorry, not one of them I, I, I like to be. Uh, I, there's got to be a better player out there on the market somewhere than what's internally um i just I, I i'm not i'm not would not be happy with stutzla playing down the middle uh defensively as a center he's had zero reps in this league at this level 
Um, uh, Nick Paul, yes, can play center, but he's he's so much the chemistry that he shows playing with uh, with Brown and and uh, with whoever you want to put in the middle there. Um, I just well, Brown would continue to be his winger, I would think. Yes, and then whoever would go in between them. I, I don't know. I I've, I've, I liked Adam Henrique back in the summer. Uh, the contract situation would work, and I don't think it would cost you that much. Uh, even if you brought in uh, Tomas uh, Hurdle from the Sharks there, who's uh, been rumored, but not necessarily a centerman, but could still come in and give you some more depth that maybe you could move Paul to the middle because right. then you'd have you know a better winger. Um, I just, I, and I've never been a fan of either Strom. I don't. Sorry, I don't think Castellek's the answer. I, I I don't know that there is an internal answer right now. If there is, I think it's Nick Paul. I, I think that it, we, at least with him, and we saw it tonight. Um, this is a team that held San Jose to two goals, but they couldn't score enough. And right. Nick Paul, I think, will be a case of as a second line center, he'll do everything in an immaculate fashion. Unfortunately, he's not going to bring the offense on on a consistent enough basis for you to win a lot of hockey games. You're going to have to win a lot of games 2-3-1 because, uh, I mean, you've got to have more more offensive push than Nick Paul in your, in your second-line center, I think. So Yeah, and there, there's been a, a history here with this organization of guys uh, elevating in the lineup due to injury who did very well for themselves. I, I think to a, a Chris Kelly, a Zach Smith for a stretch, a J.G. Paggio basically climbed up and knocked Nick Paul right out of there at one point. Mm-hmm. So there's there's been a history of centers historically in this in this organization that have done it. I just I don't know. Maybe it's Tyler Ennis. He can play down the middle. He had a good game against San Jose. Yeah. I thought he, he had some he great opportunities. Yeah, he's always yeah. very uh, very skilled with the puck. Quite obviously, he and Tierney almost cashed in on one. That would have tied the game. Uh, Chris Tierney with a neat little wrap, sort of a spinorama, uh, got it over to Ennis, and it was only a, a really good defensive play by Mark Edward Vlasic that uh, that saved a goal there. Oh God! Yeah. You just brought up you brought up Pickles Vlasic there. I, I had to check during the game. The worst contract in the National Hockey League, I think. He still got five years left at seven mil or something. You add him to the contract of Burns, to the contract of Carlson, and you're basically the Toronto Maple Leafs on defense there. The three guys just eating up one hell of a lot of money. That's yep. scary. San Jose was awfully chippy overall, though. I mean, I, I know I talked earlier about, okay, that's you know that's a concerted effort. But, that I mean, I, was, I found myself, like, hating Brent Burns in, in the midst of this game tonight. You know, this Ferraro kid, and it just seemed like they were chippy all over the ice borderline dirty in some cases. Has Brett Burns always been that chippy? <laughs> a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He's a, he's a happy-go-lucky type. Yeah. But, uh, no, he, he is a physical player. He's got a, he's got a mean streak to him. Uh, but, again, I think that that's just that's the way they have to play. Yeah. Like, they're not going to outskill you. They're not going to outfancy dipsy-doodle you. Um, that's the way they're going to have to play. Was it seven rookies in the lineup? Um, they're they're going to have to play that way. That's a, that's a standard, excellent road game. Uh, that involves physicality, get pucks deep, forecheck hard, track down the right paths, and and work down low well. And there you go. You got a 2-1 road win. So let's talk a little bit about the debuts of a couple of Ottawa Senators, and one would be Brady Kachuk. One thing I noticed that I haven't noticed before 
Some people on Twitter were saying that he does do this. I've never noticed it before, but on the blue line, while the anthem is playing, he's got his, he's like talking a million miles an hour yeah. into his glove. I don't know if he's praying or chanting or some sort of uh, personal uh, validation. I don't know what's going on there. Have you noticed that before? I, I, tonight was the first time I'd ever seen it. And actually I was, I was watching the game here with uh, my captain, one of our defensemen here, uh, Austin Gaspar. He's actually from Hawkesbury. Uh, so he's a Sens fan, so so I could watch the game with a Sens fan tonight, and he nice. was the one who noticed it. He said, what's he doing? Like, is he singing? But it was during the American anthem, too. He just, I don't know what he was doing, some kind of mental uh, prep work that he goes through. I had no idea. I'd never seen it before. But is that were, were people saying that they'd noticed it before, or was everybody saying it's the first time they'd seen it? I, a couple of people on Twitter, because I mentioned it on Twitter, it, like they were, because I said it looked like he it wasn't just praying or something. He was fiercely praying, like was he talking. was going a, like a million miles an hour though. And uh, yeah, a couple of people said they've seen it before for sure. Wow. But uh, yeah, I, I'd be keen to know if I ever get a chance. We'll to get him on. Him. Yeah, when I get, get if I get a chance. To, I will. I will. Uh, when we get a chance to interview, we'll ask him, what's going on there? Is that some sort of like a personal journey, some sort of Saturday Night Live, Stuart Smalley thing, personal? Uh, it's like, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And God darn, gosh darn it, people like me, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. But anyway, bigger picture. What did you think of Brady Kachuk's season debut? Uh, he didn't He didn't disappoint. I thought he was his usual self. Um, his pace was fine. Like, he's not the most beautiful skater in the world. He's not the fastest skater in the world. So is he really, if you haven't been on the ice for a little bit at this pace, are you going to be that much slower than everyone else? Probably not because your, your speed is your speed. I don't think he, it goes into a slump per se. Um, He was feisty. He was a net presence. Uh, He had a couple decent shifts on the power play. He had a chance or two to score. Uh, I didn't have a problem with him at all. I didn't look at his stat line. What was his hits and shots at? Do you even know? No, I don't I catch those. you off guard now. No, I just have the game summary in front of me, so I don't okay. have the full full list on there, but uh, uh, I can but grab what did that. you think of him? You tell us what you thought of him, and well, I'll look up his stats. No, I'll, I'll get you. Th- I got it right here. Kachuk had 24 shifts, 1939 of ice time. He had three shots. He had six hits to lead all senators. Michael Delzato <laughs> also had six standard stuff and uh yeah uh, a couple of giveaways but uh yeah that was brady kachuk's night ended up a plus one and a nice assist on that two on one that batherson cashed in on yeah very nice and a bad a bad read by eric carlson which we got to know a little too often in ottawa (laughs) it's like one of those deals that take the good with the bad so my feeling on it was I agree with everything you said. I thought I detected maybe a little drop in pace in the second half of the game, which is to be expected. But overall, I thought he came out like a dog that had just been left off his leash. Like some of his back checks, I don't know if you noticed in his first couple of shifts, like he was in the early going, he was trying to win the Stanley Cup tonight in October. Like, and he could picture it, right? A kid that young getting that much money and he's a good kid at his heart. And you, you know, he's like, I want to put on a show now. You know, they 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 committed to me. I'm committed to them. Let's go. And it's his first opportunity to get out there in front of the fans and probably a few he still has to win over. And I think he was maybe going a little bonkers in the early going, kind of settled things down. And then as it would be a natural thing, you haven't had your camp. You haven't had preseason games to play in. 
It's a different kind. I mean, a real live action, regular season NHL game is going to take it out of you if you haven't played one in several months. Yeah, there was one shift in the third period where he uh, he kind of turned and made a, 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 oops, maybe I shouldn't have done that pass across the middle of the defensive zone, but then he got it right back again and and got it out. There was He, he looked a little tired at the end of that shift. Right. But other than that, you know, he, he, he was the, he was the guy who came on when, when Murray was pulled. So he didn't have that long an extra shift at the end, not quite like Thomas Shabbat's last shift of the game, but um, no, look good. Look good. And, and he'll only get better folks. You got nothing to worry about with Matthew Kachuk. No, or sorry, Brady, or, or Brady Kachuk. Yeah. yeah or I, I worry about Matthew a little bit. <laughs> anyway, um, the other debut was Matt Murray. He uh, he had a nice preseason and then got dinged up in the preseason and has not played so far in the regular season. And here in, what's that, game number four, he gets in there. And what did you think of Matt Murray tonight? I thought he was good. He looked um, calm. He looked in control. Uh, I don't recall him dropping any shots that were right into his glove, which seemed to have been a problem early last year. I thought he went down, down a little early. I, I hate watching a shot go over your shoulder. Like if you, the the net's only four feet high and if you're six feet tall, how does a puck go over your shoulder and under the crossbar? I hate those. So he went down a little early on the second goal. He looked like he uh, lost the net to me. Maybe a little, eh? maybe a little too far to his right. Yeah. And it, it, but then it kind of, it was in a tough spot the way he moved his arm. It looked like he, he was going to try to get it with his shoulder because it was too close to his body to catch it kind of thing. But um, no, I, I, he looked good. I thought he looked good. Um, didn't you? Were you okay I, with him? I thought he was. He, he just doesn't fill me with the confidence that Gustafson and now even Forsberg in his two starts. I, I just, I see it. I mean, if it weren't for the contract and the two Stanley Cup rings, and I was assessing this like a normal evaluation, I've seen Gustafson start once, I've seen Forsberg start twice, and now I've seen Murray start once. Murray is my clear number three in terms of guys I am comfortable with. So I didn't think Murray was bad or anything. I mean, it's a two, one game. You got to put up a little more run support than that. Mm. But when I look at just the calmness level um, by Matt Murray's standards, he was fine. But now there's other guys that are setting standards for this team. And I have Matt Murray right now. And it's so early. I'm not going to bury anybody at this stage of the game, but if you ask me to make a decision, and decide on like cuts or something like that. Um, Matt Murray's my clear number three. That's all. Wow. A Forsberg would be my number three. I've never been a, a huge fan of Forsberg. I just, um, did you see the, regardless of all that, did you see the stats they put up of, of his first 12 and his last 12 from last season? No. Oh yeah. They put that up sometime in the third period. Uh, we should find that, and put it on the screen right here in the middle of our, podcast <laughs> they they put up his his stats in his first 12 games last year like he was what one and 11 or something or 110 and one or something one yeah, and versus, terrible yeah yeah one and terrible yeah it was a, a little to a lot um and but then his stats in his last 12 games uh the goals against average was way down by over a goal the save percentage was up by by 50 or something uh truly impressive how he finished last season i hadn't we all knew that they were a better team at the end of the year, right? But it was it, it that really just jumped out at me when I saw it like that there tonight. I thought, wow, I guess it really was that that big a difference for him. And then, of course, he missed the last what couple of weeks anyway of the season. 
But uh, give him yeah. give him time, Steve. He he's the number one goalie here. Uh, if anybody thinks they're they're trading him or they're buying him out or they're sending him down or none of that's going to happen, folks. He is the number one goalie here, and he will be until and if he explodes and blows up again like last year. Uh, he he's the yeah. guy. He'll he'll be okay. The long shots. I just see a guy that with the long shots, particularly glove side. It just seems like I don't know what it is. I it just. He doesn't seem to have confidence. Maybe he's not seeing it well. I don't know. But, uh, hey, he's got 78 games uh, or the sense of 78 more games, and uh, obviously he'll be a big part of it. And uh, if he turns it around and uh, and continues to improve, then uh, all all the better for the Sens' chances. Hey, what did you think of that Eric Carlson interview uh, after oh. the second intermission or in the second intermission? TSN's Gord Miller has a conversation with Carlson, and Carlson drops the S-bomb. He basically, uh, I think Gord, I think he misinterpreted a Gord had said. He said, you got a point tonight. And he said, we don't have the points yet. Uh, still another period to play. I said, no, no. I said, you have a point. And then he said, that don't mean S. You know that. And so, and then it all just seemed very standoffish. What did you make of that whole thing? Yeah, I, it, it left me, because then then he was asked about the the quote in the last couple of days, uh, Carlson was quoted as saying that he still thinks he's one of the best players in the world. Yeah. So it left me wondering, um, did somebody on TSN on one of the sports desks make a comment about that quote and chirp Carlson over it? Is he ticked at TSN for some reason? That was my thought. But beyond the obvious, like, show some class, man. Uh, beyond that, I, I thought maybe somebody at TSN ticked him off. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I thought we had another Henry Burris thing. Remember when Henry Burris, yeah. the Ottawa Red Blacks quarterback, he had, somebody at TSN had said something, and he basically looked in the camera and said, "You guys can stick it," and he basically went off. I don't know if it was that because Gord Miller seemed completely fine with it, and he said, "Oh man, love that guy doing interviews." And uh, so I don't think it, I don't think it was an issue, but I think a lot of Sens fans listened to that and went, "What was that about? That was weird." So yeah, it anyway. just yeah, if if it was. If it wasn't that he's ticked at TSN, then it was like no reason to be acting like that. No, no class. Yeah. Let's get to our DunRobinDistilleries.com web poll. I'm catching you cold on this. I forgot. No, I'm ready. Mention. Yeah. It's our <laughs> DunRobinDistilleries.com web poll today. Josh Norris is an RFA at season's end. What is his ask going to be? Will it be a Batherson deal? Will it be more? Is he open to an extension right now? Or does he want to light it up this year and further improve his stock? Where are you at the, on that? Holy smokes, that's a lot of uh, stuff to unpack in one little question there, isn't it? It's a lot of guidance. I'm guiding you in the in, in, your, <laughs> okay. in your potential answer because there's a lot uh, of places you can go with it. I think he's somewhere, uh, Batherson's at six or five. 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 Six I times think, five. Yeah, Norris is at max six. He's somewhere between five to six mil. Um, and I'm thinking it's, if, if you can get him at that for eight years, I would do it. Um, if I'm Norris, I'm probably looking, I'd prefer to do a three or four year deal. Uh, same as Brady Kachuk, right? He, they, the player would probably prefer a bridge deal, but uh, I think he's probably somewhere between five and 6 million. What, what are you thinking? I'd agree. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not going to be very interesting, our conversation, because I completely agree. And, and for those who think that's too much, start to look now. Because the salary structure just keeps escalating and escalating. And you're looking at some people that I think that you as a hockey fan would look at as fairly run-of-the-mill players, average hockey players, 
who are all four or five million dollars. They're that the the salary structure has just gone bananas. And so if you are a player that the team has any interest in, that has any level of term, chances are you're in the four and five million dollar player. That's not an amazing player anymore in most cases. Not in most I shouldn't say this. There's I'd say for every one that is amazing, there's one who is not. So the salary game is is changing, is my point. And so five or six million dollars for Josh Norris. Uh, and by the way, I think that I would, if I'm him, I would bet on myself and do it at the end of next year, uh, this season. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting, the number of guys signing eight-year deals lately. Like, it's been eight or ten in the last couple of weeks, right? It's, you know what I think is happening there? I think that around the NHL, we're seeing attendance numbers down. And I think agents are going, get while the getting's good. Because we don't know what... <laughs> With COVID and, and uh, arenas not as full, some are, but a lot aren't. Sends are sort of a struggle out of the gate. They had 8,000 against Dallas. They announced again at 8,900 tonight. So 8,994 tonight. So that's two games in a row under 9,000, and that ain't good. Um, it's Civic so, Center. Yeah. So when I think that we're seeing those types of numbers around the league, and we don't know what the new reality is eventually going to shake out as, and I think that agents are starting to go, you know what, maybe we better get something done long-term because this whole game can change here in the next few years. Well, the other thing is, is the way escrow is structured right now, it is uh, going to be high for the next uh, two years. It's three years from now when it's going to come right way down to like six or 7%. I think it's going to be three years from now. So that's the basis for Brady signing the deal that he signed where the big money kicks in in the third and the fourth. His big money is in those low escrow years. And I think that if you want to get that, if you want to demand that you make a lot of money in those two low escrow years, then you kind of need to take an extra year or two. So you're kind of locked in. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll do that for you to help you with the escrow. But on the other side of it, we want you to take two extra years and go seven or eight instead of four or five. So there's there's a lot there's a lot of back and forth there, right? Obviously, no question. A lot of back and forth in our feedback that we got on the web pool, the DunRobinDistilleries.com web pool. Again, our question is: Josh Norris and RFA at season's end. What is his ask going to be? Uh, we got uh, Sean Anderson writes. He's had success, and if he's interested in anything right now, I'd go the Batherson route. If he's willing to wait, he could push for more than six or seven million. But that'd mean more term, fewer conditions, and they'd have to get rid of White's contract to make it work with others like Stutzla, JBD, Sanderson, and such. Krusty the Clam writes, it'll depend on how he performs, and especially relative to Brady and Drake this year. Production similar to Batherson, but he's playing a more difficult position and is a more complete player today than Bath is. If it was now, I'd say somewhere around $6 million, but with Newport, who the hell knows? Caleb says, six by six, right at the Olympic break. Kumar says, Steve, I believe it's better to get him under contract much sooner. The GM will get some salary relief from Tierney's contract. Also, the GM has to think of extending Nick Paul as well. East Coast Sen says, extension now would be wise. I can't see a world in which he wants less than 6.5. Still have to pay Stu and Sanderson eventually. And Eli Sorter writes, his agent's going to wait until the end of the year. If Norris produces at the rate he did last season, it's going to get him more money. It's his agent's job to maximize client earnings and his own in the process. 
That is our web poll today brought to you by DunRobinDistilleries.com. Just like craft beer years ago, the market for craft spirits is booming right now. And Dunrobin Distilleries is at the forefront in Ottawa. They currently offer artisanal gin and vodka, rye whiskey, 12 different flavors of bitters, and their recently launched Earl Grey gin, all made with the finest quality ingredients right here in Ottawa. Now available at the LCBO, DunrobinDistilleries.com. Where will your spirit take you? Delicious. Checking the Atlantic standings before we... uh start wrapping things up here it is a bit of a jambalaya not exactly how people had expected it you look right now at the stanley cup finalists they have respectively given up like 17 goals and 19 goals the montreal Canadiens, stanley cup finalists they're off to an O and five star tampa's two and two but they've given up 17 goals in four games and by comparison the sens have given up nine goals in four games and then the other thing is Buffalo and Detroit are nearly Buffalo. perfect. What is going on in the Atlantic, Greg? <laughs> yeah, how about Buffalo, huh? Well, the, the key for Buffalo is take a look at their schedule. I don't know if you've if you've looked at it, but you look at the first 10, 11, 12 games of the year for Buffalo. They've got a lot of uh, winning, winnable games in there. Uh, they've got some Arizonas in there. They've got some Anaheims. They do the trip through California. I think they play California teams twice or something. So they, Still, they, Buffalo they, is the worst team, though. Okay, okay, but, they, but, but they're playing bad teams, too. <laughs> just, right. the, the start of their season is not all that difficult. But let's not get overexcited. Still, uh, are, they, are they now 4-0? They're 3-0. Three, they're still okay. But I, my point is that Buffalo is bad. Buffalo is really bad, and if they're playing American Hockey League talent, I wouldn't put I wouldn't put an automatic W in Buffalo's win column. is is uh, is kind of my bottom line there. But Buffalo, it's Andy, man, right? He's got it's two great. of the wins. He's two and zero. Oh. That's good for him. Forty years old, and maybe addition, maybe addition by subtraction with Jack Eichel not being there anymore. <laughs> well, he's now the he's. We're going to do it just to spite him. Is right. <laughs> I don't know. Could be. Already got to the line. Here's Trache with it. Trache is checked by Rochefort. Ryan Trache on the right wing boards. Tried to set up Bossy in front, but that was cleared. Right to Trache to Bossy. Shoots. He scores! Mike Bossy has his 50th goal. A standing ovation. 50 for Bossy. A minute 29 left in this game. So there it was. Mike Bossy, 50 goals in 50 games back in the day. That was on January 24th, 1981, as the Islanders took on the Quebec Nordiques that night, and Bossy became only the second player to get 50 and 50 since Rocket Richard did it in 1944-45. And certainly sad news this week about Mike Bossy in that we learn that he's dealing with lung cancer. He's stepping away from his broadcast role on TVA. And uh, Greg, as someone who grew up being a big Islander fan, I'm sure it touched you as, as, hard, as much as anybody. Yeah, it's a terrible shame. You're right, Steve. I, I did grow up an Islander fan. And uh, the first time I met Mike Bossy, I was uh, early teens. It was a Canada Cup game in uh, in Montreal. Mm-hmm. And after the game, a, I was a bigger Brian Trotche fan, but the two of them came walking out. And I walked up to Brian Trotche and I said, can I shake your hand? You're my idol. Uh, I was like 14 years old or something, 15. Maybe I was 16. Well, anyway, I ended up down the street around the corner from the forum in a 
in a bar with these guys. Of course, in Quebec, you, you look you look seventeen. You can you can drink, <laughs> um, and 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 spend a couple of hours with him, a couple of pints, and and Mike Bossy was bumming smokes off me the whole time we were we were there shooting the crap with each other. And uh, in the end, the smoking's going to get us all, I think, and that's probably a large part of the right. the cancer in the lungs from from smoking. The, the man the man was it was a very good smoker in his day. Right. Yeah, and, and we certainly wish him well in this battle that he's able to beat. And uh, there is a tie into the Ottawa Senators. Um, some people may not remember in the early days of the Ottawa Senators, they were scuffling. They could not score goals. They brought in Mike Bossy as a goal-scoring consultant for a very short period of time. Have you ever heard of a goal-scoring consultant? To me, that's one of those <laughs> things you either have or you do not. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I although I, I've I've done clinics before, Steve, on teaching scoring, trying to teach coaches how to teach scoring, uh, but usually it's try to teach. We teach players how to get your nose dirty and score rebounds and dig out pucks and deflections and tips. You, it's pretty tough to teach uh, the kind of goal scoring that Mike Bossy did, a, a pure sniper, pure purest goal scorer in the history of the game, except maybe for Rocco Richard, in my opinion. Um, it, you you can't teach goal scoring the way he scored goals. You love good magazine articles. If you haven't read it, you should read Mike Bossy in the Players Tribune from about four years ago where as a 60-year-old man, he pens a letter to his 14-year-old self. And I think you'd yeah. really enjoy it if you haven't heard it. Uh, and and yeah, a good listener, it. there you go. And uh, he cert- and he talks about, you know, smoking and all that and uh, and basically a conversation that he had in his first season with Al Arbor and uh, and Bill Torrey. They were having a contract dispute and he basically blurted out, well, I'm going to get 50 goals this year. And... Uh, yeah. And they all kind of laughed at him. Well, he went on to have 50 goals in his rookie year and then eight more after that consecutively. Like Gretzky didn't even do that. So amazing scorer for sure. And we wish him all the best. We wish you all the best, ladies and gentlemen. As we wrap it up today, don't forget our website is sensnationhockey.com. Lots of cool stuff you can check out there, including uh, any way you want to uh, get a hold of us on, any, any subject you want to get a hold of us about. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, our Email address is sendsnationpodcast at outlook.com. Greg, I wish you well with finding a Zamboni driver, getting back (laughs) on the ice, (laughs) and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Steve. Talk to you soon. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share the show with your friends and followers, or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.